0: Hello, welcome to another Pharmacy Practice podcast, uh, high profile guest with us tonight, high, high profile name in the science world, pharmacy world. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself, a high profile person?
1: Well, in that case, I think you've got the wrong number. This is Claire Thompson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to just prove you wrong straight off the bat. So who were you, uh, who were you doing a joint presentation with last night? Uh,
1: uh, I was talking straight after lady tanny gray thompson uh, an evening that my friends were affectionately calling the lady and the trump which uh, you know we were talking about resilience and when you've got friends like that they really help to build your confidence and resilience yeah Tani appreciated it so you know that was good
0: What i mean what an opportunity claire unbelievable
1: i know i'm still buzzing it was uh, it was amazing it was terrifying but it was uh, amazing to hear her story she's She's quite a formidable woman and really down
0: to earth. So, it's great to have you on, actually. Um, You're one of the guests that's probably going to have part two, three and four, to be quite honest, (laughs) because I don't think we're going to get through it all. Um, (laughs) I'm going to start with a topic that I'm completely unconsciously incompetent at, and that's being a woman, Um, because obviously, uh, breaking news, I'm a man. Um, What's it like being a woman in science?
1: Um, oh, crikey! Uh, I, I've I've never known anything different. I've always really? wanted to be a, so, yeah. So I think when I was when I was young, I knew I wanted to go into to science. I mean, when I was even younger than that, I wanted to be a comedian, and I still might, you know, I still might pack all the science lark in and go into stand up comedy. But you you can you can feed back afterwards. Um, it's still a very male dominated industry you know and even more than that it's the the snowy white peaks at the top um there are you know quite a few that are banging the banging the drum and breaking those glass ceilings but yeah it's uh i don't i don't mind being the only woman in the room i find quite often i'm still the only woman in the room it means that people will remember my name they'll remember me and uh, i'm i'm not uncomfortable with that at all you know it, maybe people feel sometimes that does that not make you uncomfortable um do you feel like you have to behave in a certain way no absolutely not um i'm true to my values and I'm, I'm not going to behave in a in an arrogant or very male way um so yeah just just doing what i do it seems to be working all right thus far
0: definitely so that's really i mean i should add some context here i I'm really like, interested to get into this topic, and this is, uh, might as well do it on air, why not? Um, and I'm hoping to kind of delve into it this year. So let's, you know, let's just see where we go, but real, like, I was quite interested in what you said there about um, reference to, you know, standing up to men and stuff. Have you found yourself over the years, because you are clearly extremely successful, you're far too modest to admit it, but you are, okay, no, no right of reply on that one, so okay. keep quiet. You know, have you had to adopt male characteristics to fit in? And,
1: and I have. I have found it in in some ways. I've got to uh, modify my my behaviours and kind of my my tone of voice um, sometimes with with people. But that can be men or with women. Mostly it's men, just because I'm I'm st- still surrounded by men within the industry. Um, I'm quite a quite a jovial person very enthusiastic and energetic and if i lower my register and i speak really slowly then people know something's not quite right um and they tend to take notice then they know that i'm absolutely serious about what i'm saying so i think it's um it's more tone and knowing when to use it uh than than a a male trait i would say so read in the room, read in the room, I guess, and in some cases you've got to reflect the behaviors that you see um, for people to to i guess notice what you're saying
0: yeah but I,
1: you know i don't I don't tend to do it often, but sometimes yeah you' you've, you've got to do it to to make yourself heard
0: It's just really, it's really interesting because I don't think we're there yet um, with all of us, I think it's. I'm not going to give my view, but um, do you think it's harder for a woman to get to the position you... I mean, you were Deputy Chief Scientist at the RPS, for example. I mean, unbelievable uh, role, to you know, successful to get to there. So do you think that was harder for you to get to there because you were a woman?
1: Wow. Uh, that's a cracking question. Uh, Jane Lawrence was Chief Scientist before... Um, I was deputy. She's a an absolutely amazing woman. Has a great career. Also has children, and she did it. So really, she's the pioneer in this. Um, I think if we if we think holistically across, well, I've spent nearly twenty years in in industry, um, so that's really where I can give the, the most of, of my opinion. Um, we're still not supporting i guess we're we're not thinking about caring responsibilities at the moment that most of that is still down to women whether it's children or uh or family wider family members um that burden still falls onto women burdens probably maybe not their their right term but that responsibility still falls on onto women and I, we're not that enough and we're not uh we're not enabling women to to take that time and make them feel that they can come back to work again. So if they need to have a break, there's still not enough shared parental leave. Um, I I think, I don't know whether there's a stigma uh, against it, Um, but we need to make people holistically feel valued, give them an environment in which they can succeed so that if they do need a break or they do have caring responsibilities, that they um, aren't deterred from that. That means they don't miss out on opportunities i've had a couple of um men say to me in the last year i'm sorry i can't make the meeting at that time because i'm taking my daughter swimming that's when i take her swimming or i've got to take my children to blah 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 i've got to pick them up from here and i've i've said to them that's absolutely fine and i really appreciate you saying me that 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 to me there needs to be more of that that needs to be more accepted that oh no okay so that's we're not having this meeting at eight o'clock in the morning because I want to take my kids to school or we're not running this meeting until six o'clock because I want to get home I've got I've, I've got these responsibilities or you know what I want more I, there are things outside of work I want to be able to do that so I think these things need to be acknowledged more we're moving towards it but you know some some areas and some industries are still a bit old-fashioned shall we say.
0: Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, so my my example um, in my personal life. Um, so I'm married to Holly, and uh, we're we're probably from a similar cultural, economic, ethnic background. Mm-hmm. Um, we both went to uni. Uh, Holly did business studies. We both got a two one. Um she started working, I started working similar junior management roles from the, from the get-go. But then our paths diverged. So sort of three years into both of our careers, I continued on my tra- trajectory, very hard word to say. And um, Holly and I decided to have kids and uh, fortunately we could have. And we made the conscious decision at that time to... Keep Holly, keep Holly at home. That sounds terrible, but um, you know what I mean. We decided to, that Holly would um, give yeah. up her work for an extended period, and we live. I lived off a pharmacist wage, so we, financially we, we were kind of getting it tight for a good few years. Um, until she came back into work. Now I'm in the unusual position where we've we've started our own little business, um, pharmacy practice, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to invite her back. As a fellow director in my company, um, at the same level, there's great equality at Laird PLC, Um, (laughs) but it just occurs to me that I I don't know how representative this or how useful this example is, but how often does that happen in reality? Because I think if if women get off the escalator, it's very difficult to make up those years, isn't it? When when someone like is that fair to say?
1: I think it is from a, from a practical perspective to get back in again, but also confidence, bloody hell, the confidence that you lose over such a short period of time, you almost think you're not employable anymore. So, I, I mean, if I can re- reflect a, a a personal story as well, um, my, my wife had uh, our little one, Maya, she's now nearly two and a half. And when she went off on, so she worked big pharma, um, she's bloody superb. So she's a project manager by training.
0: Did um, she her number?
1: But, and, yeah. <laughs> Do you want me to give it out on the podcast? Business or?
0: card, business card.
1: Business cards. Okay. Yeah. Email me. Um, she, when she, uh, her, her last role in Big Pharma was launching drugs into new markets around the world. Right. That's so, global, mm-hmm. global role, great project program management. When she left to go on maternity leave, they, had a, an agreement that she would go back part time while she was off on maternity leave. A boss changed, mm. and they said it was full time in the office or nothing. And she had requested part time. They said no. She said, "Okay, well, can I do some time at home?" No. Now, if you consider that this was an international role, and <laughs> I said, "How many people in that office are you working with?" Well, not really, I'm working with the folk in China. I'm working with these folk in in the US, do you need to be in the office? Well, you could argue that, I don't. And the the stress that it caused her was ludicrous. And Mm. thankfully, we're in a fortunate position that I run a business, bloody hell, I need somebody who can be really good at the operations. And I brought her in as a director as well. So now she works part time. She doesn't have that stress of thinking, you know, how, how am I going to do this? How am I going to be in the office five days a week, Um, you know, traveling back and forwards uh, at uh, more than an hour each way? But this hardly ever happens. You and I, Jonathan, we're in such a fortunate position to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, true. Um, and I recognize that.
1: Another, I know other, other folk I can give examples of, but that situation is not unlawful. All they had to do was consider her request. And they mm-hmm. said no that doesn't work for us yeah and really that it didn't leave us leave us an awful lot of options and she was really stressed about it yeah now she's got to work with me which i don't know that might be more stressful you can get her on for a podcast you might do these truth.
0: oh i'm <laughs> gonna get a business card so i will do yeah. <laughs> it it's so
1: it's so common so common that um that that happens and well, I've,
0: I've, I've got a, bit the of a and, the,
1: and the lack the lack of confidence of being out of out of work for a period of time. I mean,
0: mm. you can just can't put a value on it. I've got a bit of a be in my bonnet about this whole thing, you know, having children and stuff. I mean, I, I, Holly says it quite often without breaking her confidence, but she never stopped working. You know, yeah. having, having kids, bringing up kids as best as you can, is a full time job. You know and she you know she's done really well at it and and the interesting thing um, and the reason I think in commerce or in business we're missing a trick is because we need I think we need to make it okay to do that and let women maybe it's positive discrimination I don't know but I think we need to let women come in come back in at at least the same level if not above because yeah. the I think scale,
1: some the, Scandinavian the, countries do that so they encourage you to go off they Is it or is it Norway? Yeah, that they have. uh, Is it eighteen months parental leave where um, both parents are off, and uh, yeah, the women come back at at the same level, if not a level above. Do you know what? If you if you if you want a task done and done well, give it to uh, a mother of a young child because they multitask, but so much right, they've got, know, right to, they've got to do a risk analysis on everything they've got to manage tasks honestly do you see trying to get my daughter dressed in the morning it's like knitting spaghetti it's unbelievably difficult to try to get a child out of the house in the morning i'm a part-time parent at best bloody hell it's hard but yeah if you want if you want a job done done well and done with you know considering risks and really quickly give it to the parent of a young child because they'll be like lightning
0: right let's change the subject i could go on about that all night um but i think yeah we'll come we'll come back to that we'll come back to that but so pharmacy is the (laughs) it's the self-proclaimed scientific profession do you think there's any evidence for that
1: um pharmacists are all trained scientists so yeah, it's the, the, the basis of the profession. So I think, I mean, there, there is evidence to support that claim. But if you don't continue that scientific practice, then of course you, you lose the skills. It's like anything. Mm.
0: Good point. What do you think of the state of pharmacy PLC at the moment? Booming? Doing well?
1: Uh, well, do you know what the B word, the Brexit word, does? It, mm. it concerns me at the moment and the impact that that's going to have on, on pharmacy. I mean, the impact that it's going to have on medicines is quite frightening. Um, Dame Sally Davis has said on multiple occasions that stockpiling, stockpiling certain medicines, you will have to switch medicines of those that are the, the stock is running low. And I quote, we can't promise that there'll be no deaths it's terrifying it's terrifying and what happens when there's stockpiles who's going to get hit pharmacies Mm. whose workload is this going to add to pharmacists how much grief are they going to get on top of what they get at the moment loads yeah so i'm uh i'm i'm concerned about the impact that this is going to have on uh the medicine supply chain and individual pharmacies and
0: f- frontline pharmacists no brother brunt of this who do you reckon will benefit from breakfast what breakfast, breakfast. <laughs> they all, they all benefit
1: <laughs> you're thinking a dog's breakfast aren't you that was, breakfast. that was
0: a quote wasn't it oh god i, I listened yeah. to too many other podcasts
1: <laughs> <laughs> um who do i think going to benefit from it um the hardcore brexiteers that are making money from it already mm. yeah those that are able to move their money and themselves elsewhere, so they're not bearing the brunt of it. Uh, I, I think you can tell from my tone what my uh, what my feelings are on this. It's yeah, I think it's a disaster.
0: Well, I, I wonder I wonder is that because I'm of a similar opinion. I just think I just think the whole thing's daft and 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 unnecessary is the word I would use. So and I don't know if our sort of combined. Cultural upbringing in Northern Ireland um, has 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 formed our opinion. My, I mean, when the when the Scottish referendum came around, I mean, you know, I was working in community pharmacy then, and the and the chat was, you know, because you can track the chat and track the debate, it literally in the shop, and it started off quite, oh, you know, quite jovial and oh, you're going to vote yes, you're going to vote no, but do you know what? Come two weeks before the referendum, uh, there there wasn't much crack happening. It was quite. Quite um, down to the nitty gritty, and at times quite passive aggressive, or even aggressive. And certainly on social media, it was it was aggressive. Um, and I think Brexit is the same. But but what we've got in Northern Ireland after the the Good Friday Agreement were were the two, basically a stalemate. We've got the nationalist question skewing everything, and then we've got the two extreme parties in power. And the same thing is happening, I would argue, in Scotland. Um, and the nationalist question is blurring. Regardless of how you feel that should go, there's no doubt that it's absolutely blurring the functioning of parliament. And also now in, you know, with Brexit, uh, the same thing's happening in 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 England. The only conclusion I could come to is that is that the whole thing is bad. It's, you know, and it can't be good. And we won't know if, it'll, if it is good. We won't know it'll be good for many, many years. So I don't know. I don't know what my question at the end of that rant is, but um, I I, I, I do feel better.
1: (laughs) Well, good. (laughs) And breathe. No, the the Northern Ireland question, uh, this terrifies me. I think that Brexit will take the country back uh, 40 or 50 years. Um, We've already seen, I mean, today the IRA have acknowledged that they were the ones that posted out those um, parcel bombs devices over the last Few weeks, yeah, um, they've mm. quite. I think they've quite publicly said that if that hard border goes up, then within a couple of days, any border checkpoints will be targeted. Um, uh, the if there's a if there's a no dealer, if there has to be a hard border that goes up, it it's symbolic, in a really bad way. Yeah.
0: Um, do you, re- do you remember? Do you remember when you were younger going over the border and, and getting searched? I don't... Yeah.
1: I think, I mean, my first job was in a in a shoe shop, which, you know, if any, anyone who does know, knows that I'm a shoe addict, this will...
0: That's be not a huge surprise, in. Claire. That is not a huge so, surprise, mate.
1: I, I I worked in a shoe shop and the, uh, if your shift was at the end of the day, the last thing that you did was you went around all the shoes and all the bags and check, checked for incendiary devices. So you, mm. your job, part of your job, was to check for bombs. It's terrifying to think that that happened within our lifetime. and. Horrifyingly, I can, I can see that happening again mm-hmm. if
0: we continue down this Brexit track. Um, I and 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 it was very recent. I mean, you know, yeah. like the OMA. I remember going around, you know, having to detour around OMA, around yeah. the OMA bomb. I remember the Greysteel shootings. I remember. Um, do you remember when the the Drum Cree thing was going on? Do you remember that? We were mm-hmm. at a we-, we were at a wedding and. Uh, i must have been a teenager i can't remember it was a good good few years ago now but we were in a a wedding uh basically east of the river ban <laughs> mm-hmm. and and the the drumcree lot they they blocked all the bridges across the river ban so we had to go home basically round the south of loch in the middle of the night um after a wedding um and that that that's something I remember. I mean, we weren't really thankfully affected by the troubles, but but certainly culturally. I mean, I remember the first time we spoke. I was, I mean, the first thirty seconds of a Northern Irish conversation is trying to work out whether you're a Catholic or Protestant. I bet you a tenor you <laughs> were trying to work me out. No.
1: <laughs> I don't care. I, honestly, <laughs> it it's it's just the whole thing bonkers. It it means absolutely nothing to me. Um, what people what religion people are uh absolutely. all you know as long as you're a decent person then that's absolutely fine as long as you're going to treat people well that's absolutely fine but yeah I, I mean i lived a stone's throw away from belfast and it was common that you know oh you don't go into belfast on a thursday because that's when the bomb scares are which <laughs> yeah it's bonkers bonks and i'm loving watching dairy girls at the minute because it's oh, taken no, me it's, it's those good, times, it? but in a light-hearted way but you know we could be back there again soon they don't have a functioning government over there. They haven't had for for two years. They yeah, the the place is the places in a in a political mess, and it could be even more so soon.
0: Mm. There's lots of black humour came out of the troubles, though. Um yeah. You know, like oh, the bar's a bit busy. falling on a bomb scare there. Or um, <laughs> my dad always used to say. Um, <laughs> he always used to say, he he hit. Well, the joke is a joke now. You know, uh, he always used to say, oh well. The, the the downside of the Good Friday Agreement was tourists. You see, because when you went for a walk on the beach, you never had to queue for an ice cream. You know, <laughs> um, so so I mean, those are the very few upsides yeah. to the Troubles. You know, and that only a Northern Irish person, I think, can make those um, jokes or remarks. To be honest,
1: yeah, um, yeah, and I, and I mean, I I grew up on a, and now I'm going to give away what side of the fence I was on. Um, well, no. I grew up. Now, on a, on a Protestant house, housing estate, not a very nice one at all. So the curb stones were painted red, white, and blue, and the armoured trucks would come down the street, and half the people would be kind of looking out through their curtains, nosing about what was going on. On the other half were uh, out their back doors, over the back fence, and making a run for it. Um, probably, I don't know, two-thirds of the kids I played football with in the street when I was younger, um, are in jail or went to jail. Um, the other third are, are dead as a result of being in these paramilitary gangs. So it was, yeah, it, uh, are you going to ask me now why I moved away? <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: your, no your so, story,
1: this, so this, is, your... this is something that um, when I, I so I, I I talked at um, an international women's Day event last week I, I I did one last year as well and I give a shout out to my sheroes. and I always finish with my mum and uh and is uh, I say that the she always said that the most important thing that you can give your children is roots and wings so roots to remember where they're from, keep them grounded, but wings so that they can fly away and achieve their aspirations they can they can be the best that they can be. But what I never realised, what she was doing with her wings was actually giving us shelter. She sheltered us all from all of that rubbish yeah. that was, was going on there. Um, I've got a younger brother and a younger sister. And yeah, we were all good kids. We've all done pretty well. None of us got involved in any of that nonsense. So...
0: It must, I, be, a, it must I, be a Northern, I, Northern Irish... <laughs> it must be a Northern <laughs> Irish thing that... the My mum, my, my she never mentioned the wings... Um, she just said, "Never forget the bowl you're baked in." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quite that one stayed with me actually. Um, so, what's happening in your your life then? So, tell us a bit about your career, Claire, because you, you you know you were you, well most recently deputy chief scientist of of the RPS. You've now got your own business. Where mm-hmm. where and you mentioned good segue because you touched on um, where you've come from. So so what. Go, fill us in, just give us a potted history, an elevator pitch.
1: An Oh God, how many floors have we got? Um, yeah, so I've uh, always wanted to be uh, a scientist, um, wanted to get involved in in medicines. Uh, and when I was growing up, there wasn't the, the industry in Northern Ireland, so I knew I would have to move away. Um, I went to St Andrews and uh, did biochemistry and then went from there to Nottingham school of pharmacy and did my phd there it was sponsored by smith klein beecham at the time and that was it i was hooked that was me wanting to be into the uh, the pharmaceutical industry i went to pfizer for a couple of years down in sandwich then was headhunted to go across to gsk um and i was working across um api development product development um manufacturing um then wanted to i guess broaden my sphere because i was in a very technical role i wanted to get more involved in the business and the commercial side um so i contacted someone that i knew from nottingham who'd been involved in a, in a startup there so a, a contract development and manufacturing organization had a chat with them uh, about business development and commercial side because i wanted to know about those kind of roles before i got involved and she said why don't you come work for me which was a Lovely end to a conversation. Um, so I went to what's now part of Catalan It was actor profiles and then became Juniper, recently bought by Catalan. Um, spent a couple of great years there and then went to head up R&D at a virtual biotech. So it was a nutraceuticals business when I came in and they want to turn it into uh, a pharmaceuticals business, uh, repurposing drugs to make them safer uh, and easier to take so to increase compliance and reduce the side effects. So that was brilliant. Oh my God. So I was using my, the technical part of my brain and also the business part. Um, uh, outsourced because we were virtual, I was outsourcing the activity. So all around the world. So I was doing quite a lot of traveling, but learning something every day. I mean, if you're in a, a tiny company, you've got to do everything from write the business plans, think about the intellectual property. Um, empty the bins. <laughs> Don't mind that. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and yeah, I guess after that, you know, I was one of four people within an organization. I've probably got a decent amount of skills here from big pharma, virtual, um, outsourcing. Maybe I could do, maybe I could do something uh, on my own. So Uh, I set up my own business six and a half years ago and it's been growing ever since. So um, I'm Chief Exec of Agility Health Tech. We're a healthcare consulting and communications business. So I help my clients from tiny spin-outs all the way up to multinationals to um, advance their products and raise their profile. So we work on the very technical aspects. So going from that idea stage to actually making a is it a therapeutic, medical device, even apps? Um, so turning that from a, a concept into something that can into, go into the clinic or onto the market. And there's no point in having an idea if you can't get any money behind it. So we position them for funding. So we do all the strategic pieces. And probably the most important thing that we do uh, is we help them to tell their story because as scientists, we're awful at telling people the true impact of what we do. So uh, whether it's Writing the technical reports, regulatory reports, the business cases, investor briefing documents, all the way out to PR, social media, marketing material for their their new services, uh, and I was doing that part time while I was deputy chief scientist at the RPS. Um, I finished up there in November so that I could really focus on on my business because it, you know, even I was doing no business development. But the work was still coming in, coming in and coming in. So I'd taken more people on. I thought, I've just got to go back and I've got to focus on this. And I'd also got the opportunity to be entrepreneur in residence at the University of Cambridge, which I still can't believe, even though the words are coming out of my mouth.
0: That's amazing. Um,
1: awesome. uh, I know. Little old me. <laughs> There's
0: the nothing. I don't, I'll not With have any ch- of that. Ch- little no, old no, me. No, come the
1: on. Carves, I'm red, white and blue. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> so there I uh, I work with the academics who have a brilliant idea but no no idea about how to convert that into a therapeutic product. So it can be folk from zoology or chemistry, biology, immunology, the data side. So it's just amazing. It's great. It's great. To, it's great to be at that early stage, cutting edge science and arguably one of the best academic institutions in the world. It's
0: always yeah. yeah, it is. Brilliant. I think you're, if you don't mind me saying, you're just one of those people, I don't know what the, the science equivalent is, but you're like, you know, you've got loads of skills, like, like many people do, but you've got something else about you, Claire, that just is captivating. You know, you're a bit like a rugby player who's time on the ball or something, you know? You just think, how on earth does he have so much time in the ball, or, or <laughs> how, how, you know, how does, how did she do that, you know? Um, so, so I'm, I'm delighted to have met you. One, one thing I remember about, I haven't spoken, I haven't spoken much about um, starting my own business, basically from scratch, like yourself. And one, one thing I remember is like the first day. I don't know if you remember, but my first action as director of my uh, brand new company was because I thought, God, I better do something. It was Monday morning. What do I do? Write an article? Uh, I don't know. Get on social media? Oh, uh, panic! So I went to Tesco's, um, did the shopping because you just have to do something. Brilliant. So can can you remember what you did on your first day? Uh, you
1: see, I uh, I set up the business almost by accident. So my first contract came came through. There was a, it was a piece of work that was in the offing, and I spoke to a friend of mine and went, "You should do this. You'd be really good at this." And uh, and she went, I will do it, but only if you do it with me. So this was the 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 wonderful again, one of my share Helen Barker. So we did a a piece of work for the Academy of Pharmaceutical Sciences, um, helping with the whole strategy of the organization. And it was it was a great, great piece of work to do. And the only way I could do it is if I set up a business. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> let's get that done then. So I was in a fortunate position that I had some work to do um, when I when I started it up so I could get on and do it. I guess that doesn't happen very often.
0: Very good, very good. What's something I wanted to ask you about was leadership. Yeah. Do you think leadership could be taught?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I think there are some great leaders some fantastic leaders out there who you just you you see them speak or they have a presence and you you know that they're born leaders it's effortless to them so I think you can teach some leadership qualities but it's hard to live and breathe it I mean Catherine Duggan is a perfect example she taught me that vision and passion equals leadership she gets people on board yeah she's so engaging she's one of the ace people that's not great with with our accent is it so a is for authentic c is for credible and e is for engaging so these are the type of people that I surround myself with and I hope that I'm one of them so they are
0: yeah absolutely are she's, and that, i re- i she's refer a to perfect
1: as a s person
0: mm-hmm. I refer to my previous cons- uh comment you know you're 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 like the rugby player with time on the ball and, um, <laughs> yeah, and but cut... footballer. <laughs> I'm,
1: I think but I, um, that's that's part of the 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 leadership thing uh I think that I apply everything I well I apply aspects of what I have learned from playing football from I was tiny until I mean I retired a couple of years ago but I played at international level won a decent few um uh, tournaments etc um but I apply those skills on a day to day basis in my business life, so how do you get the best out of people? How do you recognize when somebody's head's down uh how do you get them back up again if you've had a, a a bad day or a bad project or things aren't going the way that you want them to how do you encourage the whole group to get back and get focused again? How do you continue the momentum mm. and uh you know how do you jump from one project to another, one client to another. How do you refocus? How do you regroup? Yeah. So every day, every day I apply it. And I think that helps with leadership as well. You can tell people who, you, you can tell who has been part of a, a team, who's been part of a sports team. Yeah. So that's Ka- the, whole time the ball thing.
0: Ka- yeah, totally. Catherine's, um, and I, ho- I hope she's still, I'm just listening. I, I, I'm going to get her on. I'm going to start badgering her and uh, start sending her uh, emails, messages, phoning her. Because um, I'd, love, I'd love to have a chat with her. And I don't think she'll mind me sharing this, but about a year and a half, a couple of years ago, I was right back at the start. Just, you know, you. it's just hard. <laughs> this The mountain is tall um, when you're starting out like that. And it's still blooming tall, to be quite honest. But... She spoke to me on the phone a few times and then she said go and draw you know go and write down just draw a picture. Yeah. And 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 I did that and I took a photograph of it true story and sent it to her. And then she drew a picture of what um how she felt about me and what I was trying to do and stuff like that and and anyway I I've still got I printed them both out and I've got them I've got them in my room upstairs and that I don't use the word often but that absolutely inspired me to keep mm-hmm. going and to follow my kind of nose around where I want my profession of pharmacy to go and sure you're going to have ups downs you're going to have to go sideways backwards reverse all the rest of it but you gotta keep going and yeah. she she's one of the she's like you she's one of those people in my life that um she doesn't do much. It's not. It's like gravity. You just gravitate towards her, and, and it's her vision, and she she gets it, um, and I, and I really admire her actually. And I and I wouldn't use that. I don't use the I word very often. Um, so so to to answer my question, you're you think elements of leadership can be taught?
1: Yeah, I think the principles of leadership can be taught, but it's about how you uh, apply them and. I think leadership's not just about, oh, you've got to, uh, a lead a team, you've got to focus on what the task is. You've got to bring people with you. And um, I think some of the greatest leaders are they're really humble. And probably more importantly, they shine their light on others. And Catherine is a, is a great example of this. She's probably one of the most humble people that I know, mm. incredible at what she does. She'll be fantastic uh, at FIP. But... If I was to send her a message and ask her, you know, can you help me with this, just like what you have done, she she will. She makes time for people. She yeah, she does.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I I think that's an aspect of of leadership that perhaps isn't recognised enough.
0: So, from obviously, part. This is this is turned into the Catherine School, Catherine. If you're listening, <laughs> you, are, you are completely amazing. Okay. Right, We're that's enough about. Like that's Catherine. enough about. Enough about Catherine. Right, let's move on. Um, so, who, apart from Catherine, the amazing Catherine Duncan, who who do you look up to as as leaders?
1: Who do I look up to as leaders? So, um, who's a brilliant leader from a scientific, from a, a, an academic perspective? Um, there's someone who. He closed the show at the recent um, RPS Science and Research Summit. Molly Stevens at uh, Imperial, phenomenal, phenomenal. In fact, I'm going to put money on her winning the Nobel Prize. An astonishing scientist. Again, very humble with it. Um, she's worked at world leading organisations. I think she did a postdoc at MIT. Was prof at 34. She's working wow. with Bill Gates on developing. Um, Diagnostics for I think it's HIV. Is it the most sensitive HIV and TB diagnostics? And again, really, really humble uh, about what she's doing. Fantastic, and you know, I was I was lucky to be in the same department at Nottingham with her, and she'll always come and say hi to me. Just yeah, one of the one of the world's great people. Yeah. So from a from an academic perspective, probably Molly. Um, I think I've mentioned Helen Barker already, and a phenomenal scientist, great businesswoman. Uh, she splits her time for, between uh, Oxford and Sandwich in Kent and uh, San Diego, where her three businesses are. I think she's got more days in the week or more hours in the day. I don't know how she she did it, but she's been uh, a catalyst for a number of my um, personal and professional decisions and she taught me that in fact I've got the coaster on my desk behind me the coaster she says uh, well behaved women rarely make history she lives by that it's not bad a value to have
0: so do you think you have to be successful do you have to break the rules uh, I think
1: you've got to challenge them depends yeah. what you're for yeah I don't think you've got to break them all. Break them with reason, yeah. Challenge them,
0: question them at yeah. least.
1: Yeah, what value are they adding? Mm. Are there better rules to make?
0: Very good. Um, what is next for you? Oh,
1: um, I yeah, I've got a few irons in the fire. So, so I set myself challenges every year. Not um, not resolutions, but but challenges um and i have got a professional challenge at the moment now if we do a uh, podcast two or podcast three then uh and and this comes off i'll tell you <laughs> what it is um but the, the personal challenge for me is uh doing running at five thirty in the morning you and i had our first ever meeting on a on a run so you know i enjoy a run it's it's great for my um physical and mental well-being you know i It allows me, my brain, to filter through all of the gubbins that's whirling around it and, you know, come out with something that may actually work at the end. So it gives me that time, that headspace to to filter through stuff. Um, People think I'm mental running at 5.30 in the morning, but it's the the only time in the day that it doesn't interfere with anything else that I want to do. So it means I can come home from the run, um, spend a bit of time with my daughter, I can focus my efforts on my business and my clients through the day. And then in the evening, I can spend time with my wife. Although probably like everybody, I'll sit on one sofa, she'll sit on the other, and we'll play on her phones and not speak to each other. But, um, you know, that's still our time.
0: <laughs> but you're, you're ignoring each other together. It's fine.
1: Absolutely. You know, it's you know yeah. nice. Night.
0: <laughs> but go back yeah, to go I, back,
1: go I, back the, to The professional one under wraps. But if it comes off, I'll tell you next time.
0: Good stuff. Well, going back to the run that we had, I re- that was the most random, interesting, um, unusual business meeting I've ever had. <laughs> but I thought, I thought when I invited you to that, I thought, right, I'm gonna call her bluff here, You know, running, running in winter. Let's see what you got. But of course, it was the middle of November, but it was like twelve degrees. Well, we were run, running on the beach <laughs> in, in Aberdeen. It was ridiculous. No, it's really good.
1: Do, but here we are.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And what, what's your advice to the next generation of pharmacists? I know you're a pharmaceutical scientist, but um, what's your advice to the next generation of pharmacists coming through?
1: Um, I, th- I think that... This advice would be my my general advice. So whether you're a scientist or whether you're a, uh, a pharmacist, so the the industry is going through flux at the moment as well. But with Brexit, we've already seen um, the number of clinical trials that are happening in the UK going down. Who knows what's going to happen with the headquarters and the R&D facilities of big pharma companies, and the investment in and uh, in, in life sciences in the UK. So we've all got to hold firm and, and see what's what's going to happen. But I mean, I was asked to talk on this last night with um, Tani Gray Thompson. We were talking about resilience, and for me, resilience is about persistence. You know, what it's—it's all about your values. So, what is it you're gonna? What is it you're gonna do to back up what you believe in? Hmm. What are you gonna, you know, stand strong on? So, persistence to get stuff done, belligerence to get stuff done when people tell you that you can't. But also, it's about no one when to stop, mm. no say no. So how far are you going to take this before you walk away? And uh, there's a, a, a wise philosopher once said, uh, "You've got to know when to hold him, know when to fold them, know walk, when to walk away, and know when to run." That philosopher was Kenny Rogers in the 1980s, I think. Um, but yeah, you, you, you've got to know how far you're going to take it when you mm. when you're going to, walk away. and and probably the biggest thing is be brave there will be points in your life when you think I've got this decision to make I don't know what the right thing is to to do or you've got an opportunity um try and propel yourself five years into the future and think if I don't do this am I going to regret it and if you think you're going to regret it you've got to do it you've got to be brave you've got to make that leap Uh, even if you think I've no idea how I'm going to do this I don't think I'm qualified this. If you get if you've got imposter syndrome, which we all have constantly. Get on and do it. Leap. Make the leap. You will you'll you'll make it work. You'll make it work. Be brave.
0: Brilliant. Perfect way to finish, Claire. Um it's been a it's been a pleasure. You're you've you fought as a, I I go back to that analogy, the rugby player, you're you're just somebody that's got time on the ball. You're brilliant. Um so and you you positively influence so many um, so many youngsters and and grown up professionals as well. So keep doing what you're doing, mate. And um, yeah, there's going to be I'm afraid there's going to be a part two and a three and a four. So when you get really upset about something, probably Brexit. Give me a phone, okay? we'll we'll, we'll get get another podcast organised.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I'll be ringing you every day this week.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> No, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure, Claire. And um listen, get get back up to Aberdeen and I'll I'll pick a nice cold day and I'll show you what Aberdeen Beach is really like.
1: Perfect. And you'll be in your shorts as normal.
0: Of course. Standard issue. (laughs) That's
1: it.
0: (laughs) Cool. See you soon. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. No problem. Take care. Cheers. Bye bye.